You're listening to the Homegrown Faith Podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend, Richard Sweatman, about God, the Bible, and life lived growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. Joe Clark, good morning to you. Good morning, Richard. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. How about yourself? Not bad, not bad. I have discovered a new way to enjoy Netflix. Oh, great. Share it with us. Yes. <laughs> this well, is a good joke coming from you because you, you're often, you don't want to talk too much about media and screens. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And I have found a way to get through a lot of Netflix without actually watching Netflix. <laughs> so there's this, there's this category of shows that get recommended to me. And I feel like Netflix is always recommending me more things. Mm that I look at and I think it's got 10 seasons or six seasons and Mm. I kind of know someone who might like that show but Mm. I don't want to watch it Mm. the whole way through. And so I've discovered the first episode, last episode strategy. So if you know know the show is is done, they're not going to record anything more, you watch the first episode or maybe the second episode but mainly the first episode and then you jump to the last season and the last episode and you watch it or maybe even the last 20 minutes of it (laughs) if it's a long drama. Yeah. And I tell you, you get the whole show in about two hours. It's like watching a movie but better. So this means you can interact with people and say, oh, yeah, I've seen that show but not give away that you've only watched the first episode and maybe the last 20 minutes of the last episode. Yeah, yeah. So to list a few shows that I've always been curious about but never could be bothered to watch the whole thing and it would just be a waste of my time. Yeah. How I Met Your Mother, curious but didn't ever want to watch it. Dawson's Creek, was never allowed to watch it as a child, so kind of wanted to know what happened in it. Gilmore Girls, Yeah. they just talk way too much, but my dear friend Kelly loves it and so I wanted to kind of engage. Yeah. Big Bang Theory, although I I did actually watch a bit more Big Bang Theory. I quite enjoyed that. Suits. Oh, yeah. Couldn't couldn't be bothered to watch more than the first season, but wanted yeah. to know how it finished. And I tell you, I now know how they all finish and I feel really good. Oh, great. I should do this strategy. I had the same experience uh, with some of those shows or Suits, for example. Yeah, got the uh, general gist after a few episodes, but couldn't be bothered after that. So yeah, maybe I should it's, try your tactic. Well, it's very rewarding and you feel this sweet sense of, yeah, I'm glad I didn't spend 18, <laughs> 18 hours watching that whole show. <laughs> For nothing, because that was yeah. a really lame end. <laughs> That's great. This is a strategy for reduce, reducing your screen time, if anything. That's exactly right. And also getting a bit of enjoyment. It was quite enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, great. Oh, well, I, mm. I will consider trying that. Yeah, I like the idea. <laughs> no pressure, Richard. No. What about you? You've been doing non-screen things. Oh, uh, yes. Just this morning, in fact, uh, it's school holidays where we are at the moment, and uh, my youngest son is at home desperately bored um and he won't take any of my suggestions so i give up uh but um i'm working but i thought oh, i'll need a need a 10 15 minute break so we just went out to the backyard and had a little bit of classic catches which is fantastic oh, classic catches who so, doesn't love classic catches so my lawn is looking really good because all the rain and my sort of uh, in- inordinate devotion to getting a nice lawn so there's a lovely surface <laughs> for him to dive on <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's really cool. He just chucks me the ball. I hit it with the bat back to him, try and send him left and right, up and down. And, uh, he, you know, jumps out, crashes. If he catches the ball, he's fist pumping and elated. If he <laughs> drops it, he's just, you know, hangs his head. So he gets in. <laughs> so it's just, uh, it was really a nice, uh, honest, um, yeah, 
catching a ball with the kid kind of moment this morning. That's the best. Have you done classic catches in the pool? Yeah, yeah, that's a common one as well. That's oh, that's next level. I love it. I've worked out though. I'm a better catcher than thrower. I always disappoint <laughs> the catcher. I always disappoint them because it's either ridiculously way too hard and they yeah. were never going to catch that ball. It's basically touching the water before they even get off the edge of the pool. Yeah. Or it's behind them or something like that. Oh, yeah. And with pool, you're invested a lot because you're, like, committed. You're in the air. You're in the air. <laughs> <laughs> you stand there and let it go past. Yeah. Are you a better catcher or a better hitter, like a oh, thrower? I, I usually do the, do the hitting, so I don't mm. know. Not a big deal for me either way. No, pretty, pretty average all around. Yeah. Now, oh, that sounds lovely. What have you been reading in the Bible, Joe? Well, I've been reading some Luke mm-hmm. and I've dug into something that I have wondered about for a long time, actually. Yeah. Um, so Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it's that classic moment where Jesus gets back to Galilee, his region. He goes to Nazareth, his hometown, mm. and he walks into the synagogue. Mm. And he reads uh, from the prophet Isaiah. Mm. He after he sort of stands up, unrolls it, reads it, and he reads this in verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then the it continues. Mm. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And... I've always gotten stuck on the phrase sat down. Yeah. Because I know so- I knew somewhere it talks about him sitting down at the right hand of the throne of the Father or, and I just couldn't get it out of my head and I've always wanted to look into it. Oh, great. So, yep. Good time for it. Today I did just a quick a quick Bible gateway search, which is my way of looking into something quickly, um, and it turns out Hebrews references it four times. Oh, right. Chapter one, chapter one, chapter eight, chapter ten, and chapter twelve, yeah. and it's it's talking about Jesus sitting down at the right hand of the throne of the Majesty in heaven, or at the right hand of God, or the right hand of the throne of God, mm. and each time um, it's coming to it's in recognition of him being either a paying for purifying for sins, a sacrifice for sins, a high priest, or enduring the cross, mm. and so that kind of payment action on someone else's behalf to deal with sin and then sitting down on the throne. And I've always wondered, and this is what I want to ask you, do you reckon the sitting down in verse 20 of chapter 4 of Luke is the same sitting down in Hebrews? Hmm. That's a very interesting question. I don't know if I've thought about that before. Uh, I've always wondered this, whether the sitting down is is him showing he somehow – authoritative that there's a yeah or is it just that he stood up before and so now the next step is to sit down and he's and Luke's just trying to heighten the narrative by describing Mm. what Jesus physical actions are yeah I feel like I've heard somewhere that sitting down is what the synagogue leader would do to give a talk rather than stand up like in our churches right I haven't don't know where the evidence is for that haven't researched it but, um, it's well, still in an my, interesting thing to highlight. Yeah. In my hunting, I discovered that when Jesus was before Pilate, Pilate sits down to make judgment, hmm. which I thought, oh, what does that add something? I'm not sure. Hmm. He's sitting in a judge's seat. 
And so is it more like a picture of judgment seat? I don't know. Yeah. No, I think um, it is giving the vibe of authority, isn't it? Mm. uh, Mm -hmm. Typical of the gospel is not showing his hand completely, but it's uh, in terms of kingship. But um, Yes. Yeah. And the next thought I had, and you might be able to help me with this as well, is I have genuinely never been able to picture a synagogue. I can picture the temple because the temple, you know, it's laid out in the Old Testament and so you can you can sort of picture it and you often try to do, draw diagrams of it. But a synagogue, mm. is it just a hall? Is it Does it echo the temple? Do you know? I've been to a synagogue actually, the Newcastle oh. Synagogue. Interesting. That'll have to be for another story. That's quite an interesting story. <laughs> um, but, uh, yes, no, I think, uh, yeah, but there's a gathering place. There's a front and back to it. There's probably separation mm. of men and women. Um, mm but I don't know if archaeology has revealed, you know, what a synagogue looks like. Yeah, because I wondered if the if the seating matters mm. or not, like if that's it. Yeah. Anyway, Yeah. for another time. No, that's mm. fantastic. Great to see you in your gospel journey digging in <laughs> all these corners. Yes. What have you been reading, Richard? Oh, well, I've been reading uh, something called the Heidelberg Disputation. That sounds a bit fancy, but what happened was that I was try- I was thinking about ministry, you know, and a phrase that I'd heard at Bible college was was in my head, and that was um, the theology of the cross as opposed to the theology of glory. Have you heard that those those categories before? I have, but I'm very vague on it. It's more just like, oh yes, that. <laughs> yes, well, like that, that's where I was at as well, and I thought, oh, actually, I'm I'm feeling like that's something I'd like to look into. And so I Googled it and found that um, the idea comes up in something of Martin Luther's called the Heidelberg Disputation, which was quite a short read, really. Uh, and so thought I'd share that with you. The uh, Martin Luther, uh, as he's obviously famous for posting his 95 theses up on the uh, cathedral door, uh, 30th mm. of October, 1517. But um, in the year after that, there was a bit of debate and Rome sent a a magistrate, uh, another Augustinian monk, up to kind of dispute with him in a you know fairly serious but not crazy um, hostile mm. situation there. And mm. they met at Heidelberg, and um, Martin Luther presented these Heidelberg disputations, which is like f- about forty points each, with a brief bit of scriptural support. And uh, this is where we come across that little phrase, "theologian of the cross" or "theologian of the of glory," mm. and. Uh, the uh, it's point nineteen. It says uh, where he says he is not worthy to be called a theologian who looks at the hidden things of God as being understandable through the things that have happened in the world. But in point twenty, he is worthy to be called a theologian who understands the revealed things and the back view of God as being th- seen through the sufferings and the cross. And so, uh, reading this through and the uh, some of the little scriptural support, yeah, I got to have an understanding of what this theologian of glory and theologian of the cross is. And what he's saying is that, um, yeah, the theologian of glory approaches the study of God with confidence in himself, confidence in his method, uh, confidence in his knowledge, confidence in his ability to discover God um, Mm. out of his own strength Mm. and uh, potentially even achieve things for God out of his own strength. But the theology of the cross following, you know, Jesus and his suffering for us approaches 
the knowledge of God, understanding God, understanding his ways and ministry out of a position of suffering and weakness. Mm. Um, and so uh, the, a, little, a little bit of support from um, Article 24 I found very challenging. Um, it says, uh, um, whoever has not yet been destroyed, this is a theologian, whoever has not yet been destroyed and reduced to nothing by cross and suffering attributes his works and wisdom to himself but not to God. He thus abuses the gifts of God and pollutes them. But whoever has been emptied through suffering no longer works, but he knows that God works and does everything within him. Therefore, whether he works or not, it is all the same to him. Uh, neither oh, does wow. he. Yeah, okay. <laughs> sorry, can, my, sorry, continue. <laughs> my, my Kindle is turning slowly. Um, neither does he glory if he works, nor is he confounded if God does not work within him. He knows that it is enough for him if he suffers and is destroyed through the cross in order to be annihilated all the more. But he is, <laughs> but he is this way because Christ says in John 3, 7, you must be born again. If you must be reborn, then you must first die and rise with the Son of Man. I say that to die means to feel death at hand. So I was like, wow, full on here. <laughs> yes. Um, so Using the word like annihilation. Yes. And, yeah, quite extreme statements. Yeah. But I can see it. So this was just like I was expecting, you know, to have a little dabble in in this thing and I just like, boom, there's, there's just like a hand grenade has gone off in my with uh, Martin Luther there. So, uh, yeah, just uh, trying to get my head around that and, and what it might mean to be a theologian of the cross. Mm. The repeated word I heard again and again was suffering mm. and sort of seeing seeing Jesus suffering and following his in his model. Mm. Um, is that what stood out to you or did other things yeah. stand out to you? Yeah, no, that's it. That's it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. ministry and, and theology out of a position of suffering. Yeah. And that that would be how God achieves the work rather than the emphasis on me and my oh-so-feeble attempts to achieve the work. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, or a theologian of, globe, of glory would be less likely to see the feebleness of his work. Be, yeah, that, yes. confidence oh, in ability. Yeah. yeah, I hear what you're saying. So it's a, a theologian of glory thinks he can achieve or she can achieve. Mm. Ah, yeah. fascinating. So... I don't know what the message, the take-home message is is for us and our listeners, Joe. Mm. uh, Yeah, I was challenged by that and, um, Mm. yeah, enjoying it. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, that's good. No worries. So, yep, Heidelberg Mm. Disputation, good fun. Um, Good good fun. (laughs) All righty. Well, we're out of time. We are. Great to chat with you, Joe. Yep. I'll talk to you next week. See ya.